Well, let me ask you a question. I wonder, uh, what do you want for Christmas? I love the story of a dad asking his little girl that very question. She asked for a little brother, and it just so happened that on Christmas Eve, mummy came home from hospital holding a new baby son. The little girl was thrilled. Next year, when her dad asked the same question, what do you want for Christmas, remembering what had happened the previous year, the little girl replied, well, Daddy, if it wouldn't be too uncomfortable for mummy, I'd like a pony. (laughs) Well, what about you? What do you want for Christmas? It's a question that conjures up so many happy memories for me. As a little boy, my mum and dad would ask me that question, and from that moment on, I can remember getting so unbelievably excited about Christmas decorating the Christmas tree, the lights being switched on in the little town that we lived in, the feeling of overwhelming excitement on Christmas morning. Christmas was always so much fun for me. But as I go on as a vicar, I know Christmas is not like that for everyone. Uh, Have you come across the the website christmassantaclaus.com? There are all sorts of things on the website. One page is full of letters to Santa, like this one. Uh, Dear Santa, I love you very much. Please use the front door as we do not have a chimney. Well, useful information. Or or this one. Dear Santa, thank you for the remote control car you gave me last year, even though it broke the day after. Still, I know you tried your best to get me a good present, and that's what counts. Well, very magnanimous. Some of the letters are confessions. I'm sorry for being mean to my little brother. I'm not saying I don't love him. He just really gets on my nerves sometimes. We all know what he means. And then some of the letters are, well, a big reality check, like this one. Dear Santa, Andrew is a boy in my class. Can you make him and his sister spend Christmas with his parents? He's just been taken into foster care. And this one, dear Santa, can you get my dad to come back to England because he lives in Australia and I haven't seen him for three years? And this one really got to me. Please send a message to my sister in heaven. You see, visit christmassantaclaus.com and it's obvious what some people want for Christmas. They want solutions to broken relationships and child abuse and death and all the messy situations of life. But no grown-up really believes that writing to Father Christmas will solve our problems. Father Christmas can't possibly deliver a clear conscience, a restored relationship, a wonderful world, and he certainly can't defeat death. But the good news of Christmas is that what Father Christmas can't possibly deliver, Jesus Christ can. And that's why Christmas really is, as the song says, the happiest time of year. Not forgetting reality, but remembering reality, it really can be the happiest time of year. See, Christmas is about the true and living God meeting our deepest needs and answering the very biggest questions of life. See, Christmas answers the the four big questions that I'm asked again and again. Here they are. How do you know God exists? What's the meaning of life? Why is the world in such a mess? And how can I know God? Strip away the tinsel and turkey, the parties and presents, Santa and sentimentality, and we can begin to see the real gift of Christmas. A gift that makes sense of life. Now, don't you want that for Christmas? And not just for Christmas, but for the rest of life. Oh, it's all here in the first reading that we had this evening. See, the first question, how do you know God exists? Listen again to the words of John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Bertrand Russell, the atheist philosopher, was once asked what he would do if when he died he discovered that God was there after all. And he said he would ask God why he hadn't given more evidence for his existence. Bertrand Russell, you see, laid the blame at God's door. He said effectively, it's not my fault that I don't believe. If God really is God, really that clever, that big, that awesome, why doesn't he reveal himself to me? But you see, that's exactly what he did do on that first Christmas. Oh, even before Christmas, there was plenty of evidence for the existence of God. But at that first Christmas time, God disclosed himself once and for all. God revealed himself in the most unmistakable way. I, um, I hugely admire school teachers. Uh, my brother used to be a teacher. Uh, he worked very hard. Whenever anybody asked him what he did for a living, he would reply, I'm a pest control officer for the council. <laughs> uh, teaching, I know, is a very difficult profession. So, teachers here this evening, enjoy your Christmas break when it comes in a few days' time. Uh, here's a story for you. I love the story of the, the primary school teacher who, who went into school one Monday morning without much of a lesson plan and clearly lacking inspiration. It must have been the end of term. And this morning, uh, she said, this morning class, we're going to do some painting. She said, so get your aprons on, get the paints out and, and begin. Uh, you can paint anything. If you're not sure what to paint, paint what you did at the weekend. But I really don't mind what you paint, just, just paint. So the class began and after a little while, the teacher walked around the classroom, looking over the shoulders of the pupils to see how they were getting on. There were all manner of paintings, some of mummy and daddy and, and the dog in the park, others by the beach. Many different scenes. But the teacher was surprised when she came to six-year-old Scott's painting. The paper was just a mass of colour. That's very nice, Scott, the teacher said encouragingly. What is it? Oh, that's God, replied Scott. But no one's ever seen God, said the teacher. To which Scott replied, they have now. <laughs> now you see, that is what John is saying in these opening words. No one's ever seen God. But Jesus arrives, they have now. Verse 2, he existed with the Father before the beginning of the world. Indeed, verse 3, do you see, he made the world. That is the awesome claim about Jesus. He's not just a man. He's not even an exceptional man. He's not just a good man or a holy man or a prophet or a guru. He is God. Colonel James Irwin, one of the first men on the moon, said this, it is not the greatest miracle that man walked on the moon but that God walked on the earth. That's the astonishing truth about Christmas. God, the creator of the universe, stepped into his world and onto his planet. Look at Jesus' life and his actions and you see unmistakably God walking around planet earth. That's how we know God exists. Uh, just before Christmas two years ago, an article in the Sunday Times caught my eye. It was about Anthony Flew. Do you know him? the emeritus professor of philosophy at Reading University, whose arguments for atheism have influenced scholars around the world, or, or I should say did. You see, he now believes that some sort of deity created the universe. He's changed his mind. He believes that new scientific discoveries have revealed the existence of an organising intelligence. The investigation of DNA, he said, quote, 
has shown by the almost unbelievable, unbelievable complexity of the arrangements which are needed to produce life, that intelligence must have been involved. End of quote. Indeed, he is so convinced that he is now apologising for leading people astray. He says, as people have certainly been influenced by me, I want to try and correct the enormous damage I may have done. So convinced is the professor that he has revised the introduction to his book, God and Philosophy. So looking at the scientific evidence, Anthony Flew now believes that an intelligent deity was behind the creation of the world. Now, of course, I don't disagree with him. But that's not why I believe there's a God. That's not why I'm a Christian. No, there is far more conclusive evidence than looking at DNA through a microscope. And that's the evidence from the first Christmas when God came among us, historically, actually, bodily. Christians don't believe in a God as a scientific possibility. They believe in God as an historical fact that you can check out. See, we sang it in the first carol. Did you notice the words, He came down to earth from heaven, He who is God and Lord of all. When we're tempted to say, why doesn't God reveal himself to us, John says at Christmas time, he did. He did. What a gift. The certainty that God exists and that he's intimately interested and involved in his world. That life on planet Earth is not the result of a freak cataclysmic explosion. That you are not just a blob of protoplasm wrapped around an appetite. Isn't that good news? Now let me ask you this Christmas. Have you ever unwrapped the gift? Have you looked at the person of Jesus Christ seriously? Have you ever seriously considered his claims? Have you done that as an adult? Or did you make your mind up about Jesus when you were at school? Well, let's face it. There's a number of things we'll have changed our minds about since we were schoolboys and schoolgirls. Don't you think this Christmas would be a good time to begin to look into these things? Very good. My plant. Well, Christmas answers the question, how do you know God exists? And it addresses the question, what's the meaning of life? Look again at, what, uh, at John's words uh, in verse 4 of John 1. In him was life, And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. At every office Christmas party, there's usually one character who who really livens things up a bit. Someone we'd call the life and soul of the party. Someone you, you love having around. Now that's what John is saying about Jesus in verse 4. Jesus is the life and soul of the party. That the life and soul of life. What a huge surprise that is for many people. Uh, One person said this to me, I believe that Jesus is God, I believe Christianity is true, but I don't want to become a Christian until I've had some fun. Implication? Christianity is boring. Following Christ is going to ruin life and, and take all the enjoyment out of life. That is what some people think about Christianity. And frankly, I can understand why. Some church services are about as enthralling as watching the turkey cook. The way some people present the Christian life, it appears as dull as watching another Christmas rerun of The Sound of Music. But if that's how the Christian life seems to you, be sure that is not the way Jesus meant it to be. 
Later on in John's Gospel, you can read Jesus saying these words, I have come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. Jesus came to give us the time of our lives. As we read in verse 1, John called Jesus the word, the the logic of life. Jesus is the central character of the universe. He is what life is all about. Cut him out and you simply, well, simply life doesn't work. Radio 5 Live has run a survey in these last few weeks to discover the nation's favourite Christmas movie. Front runners so far are Bing Crosby's White Christmas, would that be yours? It's a Wonderful Life with James Stewart, Bill Murray in Scrooged, uh, 101 Dalmatians features, as does, believe it or not, the Muppets Christmas Carol. Well, I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's that good. Now, I wonder what your favourite would be. Whatever it would be, just imagine sitting down to watch your favourite Christmas movie and and discovering the main character, Bing Crosby, James Stewart, Bill Murray, the, the Muppets, whoever it is, Uh, Imagine the main character had been digitally removed from the movie. Some scenes would still work, but most of the film would be ridiculous, as if most of them aren't, but it would be ridiculous, make no sense at all. That is how it is living life without Jesus. Some Some of it still seems to work, but you can't really make sense of it, because he is what life is all about. The universe revolves around him. And it is agony watching people rushing around trying to make sense of life, looking for the meaning of life in work and relationships and materialism, trying to make life work but but never looking to the main character. The one who John describes in verse 5 as the light of the world. See, Jesus is the one who sheds light on all the big questions of life. Do I matter? Why am I here? What is life all about? Is there right and wrong? What happens when I die? Understanding what life is about is wonderful. And Jesus gives you that. As we sang in the carol, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. What a gift. Knowing what life is about, knowing where you fit in. Again, let me ask you, have you ever unwrapped that gift And before you ignore Jesus as being the meaning of life, let me ask you, do you have any other satisfactory explanation to the meaning of life? Well, if you don't, he's worth looking into, isn't he? Wouldn't it be great to be able to make sense of life on planet Earth? Well, to do so, you're bound to ask our third question, why is the world in such a mess? You see, John is very realistic as he writes in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Yeah, there is darkness in the world. As ChristmasSantaClaus.com reminded us, relationships break down, kids get abused, people die. And the root cause of all the darkness in the world, well, we live in God's world, but we, we ignore the God who made the world. John puts it like this in verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. See, we have chosen to live without God and that's why we're in the dark over all the big questions of life. That indeed is the dark. Is there anything darker than what we did to him when God came down to this world? We rejected him and we hung him on a Roman cross. 
But look again at John's words in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. We tried to put the light out by killing him on a cross, but Jesus rose from the dead. The darkness cannot extinguish this light. This light is not a candle in the wind that can be snuffed out. The light, Jesus, is the creator of the world, the meaning of life. No, we can't get rid of him by our actions or by our unbelief. Our little boy, he's here tonight, Joshua. He's coming up to five now. And he starts school in January, don't you, Joshua? And and so as he seems to be growing up so quickly, I I found myself reminiscing about um, the first few years of his fairly short life. One of the funniest things Joshua did as a toddler was learning to play peekaboo. The rules of the game are normally quite simple. Someone hides and then someone else tries to find them and on being found, everyone shouts, peekaboo. Joshua's rules were a little unconventional to say the least. To begin with, Joshua didn't hide. He just stood in the middle of the room with his hands over his eyes and I'd say, where's Joshua? And he'd giggle. Where's Joshua? More laughter. I can't see Joshua. Where's Joshua gone? Uncontrollable whoops of laughter. And on it goes until he can stand it no longer when he'd whip his hands away from his eyes and say, peekaboo. And he'd almost die laughing. It's very funny. Well, it was for us anyway. And it works because Joshua thought when he was a little boy that when he closed his eyes, I couldn't see him. Because he couldn't see me, he thought I couldn't see him. It's silly, isn't it? Great fun, though, for a little boy. What is not so funny is how we do the same with God. We think we, that if we close our eyes to his existence, he'll go away. But our beliefs cannot change reality. Believing that God is not there doesn't get rid of him, if in fact he is there. And when he came to earth and we tried to get rid of him by executing him on a Roman cross, we'll be sure that didn't get rid of him. Quite the opposite, it compounded our problem. Once we've taken away all the wrapping of Christmas, the message of Christmas is bold and clear. God does exist and he has come to us and we rejected him. This is what it says, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Every year in December, the church I used to go to as a boy always had a nativity scene at the front of the church. Big stable, lots of straw, a cow, a sheep or two, few life-size realistic animals, you know. During the lead up to Christmas, each year the nativity scene would be developed. Go to church the next week and now the shepherds would be in the stable. The following week, the wise men were there. The week after, angels had appeared. And on Christmas morning, there was the baby Jesus in the manger. And he would stay there for the 12 days of Christmas. And then? Well, then he'd be packed away for another 11 months, put in a box, in a cupboard. And it is remarkably symbolic of what we all do with Jesus. Tuck him away out of sight. We've got him in control, in a box, in the cupboard. See, however you look at it, God reveals himself and we shut him out. And that is a huge problem for us. Because it really is very wicked to try and snuff out the light of the world. And it's a huge problem for us because it disqualifies me from being part of God's family. And one day I'm going to have to meet him. And if I'm not part of God's family, I will have no part in his inheritance when I die. And that means no part in his heaven. Quite the opposite, I deserve his punishment. 
though the future is not bright. If we reject Jesus or tuck him away from year to year or try to control him, you and I are heading for an eternal death penalty. We live in a dark world because we reject the one true living God and we are part of the darkness. And that's why we have to ask our final question briefly, how can I know God? Well, look at this great news. Yes, we reject God. Yet we read in verse 12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We've rejected God, rebelled against him. And of course there are two ways to end a rebellion. You either overthrow the rebels or you change the rebels. Astonishingly, God's plan at Christmas is to change rebels. How kind of our God. He does something to bring us back into relationship with him. And I believe that some of you will have been experiencing that happening right now. You will know that God is calling you back into relationship with him. As I've been speaking, you'll have felt this has all been just for you. As if God were speaking right into your life, addressing your issues right now. Well look, he wants, verse 12, to give you the right to be a child of God. Born, verse 13, not of natural descent, nor born of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. See, Christmas is not just about one birth. Oh, it is about one birth. It is about the birth of Jesus. But it's about another birth too. A second birth for us. A chance for us to have a fresh start with God. And he can give us that gift because Jesus died on a cross to restore our relationship with the Father. Because when he died on the cross, he was taking the punishment for our rebellion. Yes, we deserve death and separation from the Father, but Jesus took that punishment. He loves you that much. So we can be welcomed back into the family of God. To all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's echoed in the the great words of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We'll sing it in just a moment, but do you remember it from last Christmas? This line, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. So here's the big, the big question. Have you received Jesus? Have you taken the gift? The gift that reconciles you to God? The gift that gives you forgiveness for all your past mistakes? The gift that guarantees eternal life with him when you die? The gift that gives us an understanding of what life is really all about now? All that is free to you and me. What a gift. And this Christmas time, wouldn't it be great to take it 